Well, good morning. It is so wonderful to be with you this morning on my first Easter Sunday here at Good Shepherd, and maybe it's your first Sunday too. And if that's the case, I would invite you to grab one of those communication cards in the pew back in front of you, and sometime during the service, fill it out. Drop it in the offering plate so we can get to know one another better. Aren't these flowers beautiful? The crew that put this together, thank you. Thank you for the many hands that go into making Holy Week and Resurrection Sunday possible. It is really good to be together. Do you want the heart of the sermon right at the beginning? Do you want the heart of the sermon right now? Then we can go home and we can have our mimosas and our brunch and, and we can have our Easter egg hunt. Do you want that? Here it is. Here, No? Well, here's the heart of the sermon right at the beginning. The resurrection of Jesus is God's way of showing the world what God intends to do with every human life. Think about it. The resurrection of Jesus is God's way of showing the world what God intends to do with every human life. A few weeks ago, I preached about the cycle of life for people of faith, and how it's counterintuitive to the natural cycle of life that we experience in the world, right? You're born, you grow, hopefully you mature, you live, and then you start to decline, and then eventually, you know, we all die. Life and then death. But for Christians, the cycle of life is reverse. Spiritual wisdom and teaching, it teaches us that the true cycle to life is actually a continual process over and again of death to new life. What follows death for people of faith? New, abundant life. This is the Easter proclamation. You know what I'm going to say today, don't you? Let's be real. You know what I'm going to say. Christ has conquered the grave. Once and for all, God has defeated sin, death, and the devil. Anything in this world that would divide us, demean us, cheapen us, fracture us, has been overcome through God's love poured out on the cross and through the empty tomb. In other words, love and life win. Let's try that. Love and life. Do it again. Love and life. This is our Easter proclamation. This is what we believe that Christ has hallowed every grave, that through his resurrection, our tombs, our graves have been hallowed, made holy. And so we have great hope. Easter morning is a morning where we are reminded once and for all that we know the end of the story. We know that in this cosmic story, God is writing that we have a victory through our God. That love and life are far more powerful than anything in this world that would divide us or fracture us, including our own sin. We get it wrong over and again. That's the Easter message. We could all go home and have a great day, but let's think about it a little bit deeper. Think about it for a moment. I want you, just for a moment, to get outside of Easter Sunday. Now, you all, I don't know, I can see you all. You all look really good. Some of you even dressed up today. 
more than normal. Last night, we had one of our um, older members, and he, he was so proud when he walked in last night because he had his green sport coat on. And I came up to him, I said, did you win a master's tournament? You, you, you look like you won a master's. And he said, Pastor, I only wear it on Easter. This is one of those days, isn't it, where maybe we put on a little bit more makeup. We, we, we choose our, our shirt a little more carefully. We, we have this beautiful weather today, and we thank God for that. Easter morning, it, it sort of gives us an extra kick in our step, hopefully. Sort of like on your birthday, you just wake up and something's just a little bit different. There are days like that in our lives, aren't there? Days filled with joy, filled with love, filled with opportunity. When people cut us off on the road, we're just a little bit more forgiving on those days, right? Thank God for those days. But if we're honest with ourselves, most of life can be difficult. More of our days feel like Good Fridays than they do Easter Sundays, don't they? Take a look at our world, and I don't need to go through all the things. You're aware. Our world is groaning and aching for wholeness and peace, and yet wars are raging all across Europe and Africa and Asia. Children go to bed hungry every night in places like Cincinnati and Haiti and all over the globe. And then there's the pain in our own lives, our own muck, our own mire that we get so bogged down in. We have human hearts that ache and break for wholeness. We lose, love, we lose loved ones to cancer. We, we find diagnoses that, that, that come our way that we don't expect, and all of a sudden it's like the earth is shaking beneath us. And we wonder, does love and life really win? Is there hope? Sixteen years ago, yesterday, April 8th, 2007, I renounced my faith in God. I gave up. I couldn't do it anymore. At that time in my life, I was experiencing great tragedies and suffering. Everything that I had known in my life was was being altered because of my lived experience as a soldier deployed in Iraq. And 16 years ago, I had a platoon sergeant come up to me in the, in the middle of, of Mosul, Iraq, and he said, Sergeant Halad, tomorrow morning, you have the morning off. I don't want to see you until 1100 hours, 11, 11 a.m. We didn't get many days off in Iraq, and so I asked him, well, what's the occasion? And he said, you don't know? He said, no, I, I don't know. He said, tomorrow's Easter. And there's a sunrise service being held on our base at St. Elijah's Monastery. When the U.S. Army invaded northern Iraq, uh, we did a little bit of damage to St. Elijah's Monastery, tragically. But the army realized this was a historical site. It was a monastery that dated back to the 4th century that a monk from what is now Turkey came down um, into Babylon and founded a Christian community. And there were big fences erected with barbed wire around it. And the army only opened it up on Christmas and Easter so soldiers could go there to this ancient site and worship. He said, there's a sunrise service and I leave it up to you, but I, just, I don't want to see you till 11 a.m. 
And so that evening, I met with my squad that I was in charge of and made sure they were taken care of. They had cleaned their gear and their equipment. And I thought to myself, self, you are going to sleep in. And what a great night of sleep I had planned on that beautiful army cot, right? But something crazy happened on Easter morning, April 8th, 2007. I shot awake, wide awake at 4 a.m. And now I don't know about you, but, but when I, whenever I do wake up at 3 or 4 a.m. in the middle of the night, it does not take me long to find the cool side of the pillow and fall right back asleep. But this morning, all those years ago, I was wired wide awake. And so I thought to myself, I might as well go. I'll take my little camera that you still had to develop film back then, and, and I'll take photos. I'll be able to see this historical site. And as I made my way there, I sat down on the hillside as a group of soldiers began to sing the song we joined our voices together for earlier, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. And I hadn't heard music sung by people in many months at this point. And as I was seated there, I started to feel my eyes welling up with tears. And they weren't tears of joy or beauty at the music. They were tears of sorrow and anguish and confusion. I remember thinking as these soldiers were singing, how in the world can they sing about love and life being victorious? How, how can they sing about God's victory over death and destruction when all I know is my own pain, my own suffering, the suffering of my friends that have been injured or, or killed in the war. And as the chaplain made his way out to give his Easter proclamation, I remember thinking to myself, there's nothing this chaplain will say. There's absolutely nothing he could say that will give meaning to my life. He has no idea what it's really like. And that faithful chaplain, I'll never forget when he came and he opened up his worship book and, and, and what did he do? He told us, Christ has conquered the grave. He's defeated sin, death, and the devil. There's nothing in this world that would divide, demean, cheapen, or fracture us that God has not overcome through the empty tomb. In other words, he said, love and life Win, and then he read from the 23rd Psalm, you know it, don't you? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And I stood up and I stormed off. So mad! I would love to tell you, church, that on Easter Sunday, in the middle of a war zone, two bluebirds flew across the sky with a banner that said, He is risen, and my faith came alive, but that's just not the case. Isn't it true that when we go through hardship, pain, suffering, it's really hard at times to hear about resurrection? It's really difficult at times. And maybe that's the place that you are this Easter. Maybe life is great for you, and thank God for that. But maybe, just maybe, there are some here that are battling a diagnosis or an illness or their own questions and doubts that live deep inside. And as you come to Easter and you hear the proclamation and you sing the songs, you're, you're questioning all of it. Know that you are not alone. 
I stormed off from that sunrise service. I made my way back to my tent and I opened up my foot locker and I was searching for that little camouflage Bible my mom had given me before I was deployed. And she said, be sure to read this from time to time. (laughs) Where's that Bible? And I was searching and pulling things out and I grabbed it and now I did not know how to find a psalm. I didn't know where it was in the Bible. I was raised in the church, confirmation, catechism, Sunday school, And even at the age of 14, I I felt a call to ministry. But all of that had seemed far lost. Now that I had four years separated from being in a worship service, found myself living into this identity as a soldier, trying to become a man, flipping through the Bible. What did he read? What did he read? And my eyes are grabbed by the 25th Psalm which I recognized wasn't what he read, but it jumped out at me. Lord, remember not the sins of my youth in rebellious ways, but according to your great love, remember me. I am scared, O God. I am terrified, Lord. Guide me, lead me, show me the pathway to righteousness. And I think now, looking back, just a tiny seed of faith was planted. But then very quickly, on the other page, there was that darn 23rd Psalm. And I read it again, and I closed the Bible, and I threw it back in my footlocker, and I said, standing there on Easter morning, I give up. I give up. I don't know if I can believe in God anymore. The messages from Sunday school all through my life are running so counter to the pain and suffering and anguish that I feel in my own heart. Long story short, about a month and a half later, I would find myself being medically evacuated from Mosul to Baghdad, and eventually from Baghdad to Kuwait, and eventually from Kuwait to Landstuhl, Germany. And when I landed in the combat hospital in Baghdad on May 26, 2007, everything changed. I was lying there on the hospital stretcher when in the middle of the night, a helicopter landed bringing soldiers in off the battlefield. And to my right, they brought over two soldiers who had been killed from an improvised explosive device. And in the midst of their triage, to my left, they brought over another soldier that they had deemed they couldn't save. And as I was lying there, Something remarkable happened to me. Something like an earthquake we heard about today in the Gospel of Matthew as the two women make their way to the tomb. This doesn't sound very Lutheran. It might be a little woo-woo for you. But this is my story. Lying there as I'm watching this soldier's chest rise and fall as he's struggling to hang on to life in the moment that it's downloaded. (laughs) In the moment that his chest could no longer rise, I felt a tremendous warmth flood over my body. And I kid you not, I heard the words of that chaplain that had so angered me a month before repeating in my head, I am with you. I am with you. You see, in the midst of my pain and suffering and struggle, 
I couldn't grasp the understanding or the idea that it's in the middle of our pain. It is through our hardship. It is through our heartache that God promises to be present. And as that soldier died and breathed his last, I genuinely feel like God was somehow bringing the idea that new life was possible. I can't fully explain it, but I had this certainty just for a moment that his death and every death that we experience would not be the final answer. In other words, the worst thing that could ever happen to us will not be the last thing. And now I still have doubts. I still struggle. It wasn't as if in an instant I had tremendous, overwhelming faith, but what I can tell you is that those little seeds that God had planted through chaplains and youth leaders and mentors and friends over time began to sprout and grow and spread. Think about the women in Matthew's Gospel who get up on the first day of the week. You know, the temptation for us as Christians is to skip over the emotional state of the women when they wake up and to have all of that sort of shortchanged by the joy and the excitement of how the passage ends, right? But consider that first Easter morning the two Marys in Matthew's Gospel and Luke, it's Joanna and it's, it's, it's a bunch of women get up early in the morning. Side note, who got up uh, first in your household today? Was it the men? Who got the kids dressed? It was the women, right? Right? Good job, moms. <laughs> it was the women who got up early in the morning, but they got up filled with grief and sorrow and anguish. The rabbi and Lord, their friend, Jesus, had been brutally crucified, and it was the women, unlike the men. The men were told fled. They were nowhere to be found around the crucifixion, but it was the women, even the mother of Jesus, who stood nearby as she watched her son hang lifelessly from a tree. It was those women who got up early in the morning to bring spices and aloes to go to the tomb to try to anoint the body, to, to love the body of Christ, to grieve and to pray. Their worldview had been so rocked by death and destruction, not just from the Romans, from their own people. And yet, it is through the channel of death that those women on the first Easter morning begin to experience the power and the majesty of what God alone can do. There's a great earthquake in Matthew's version. And then there's this angel, and as I imagine it in my mind's eye, the angel and the earthquake that rolled the stone away, the angel sitting on top of the stone in my mind. I don't know why. He's sitting on top of it. And his legs are kind of kicking like a little kid. He's got a big smile on his face. And he says, hey, hey, he's not here. He's risen. Go in and look. Go see for yourself. We're told that the guards that were there guarding the tomb were so seized with fear and amazement, they just fell over. The women walk right in. Can you imagine the confusion, the bewilderment, the questions that they had, the terror we know they felt? And yet, at the same time, the 
joy and the curiosity. And in Matthew's version, the angel says, now go back to the other disciples and tell them what had happened. Luke's version is a little bit different. In Luke's version, all of the women go back to the disciples. Jesus does not greet them on the way. And they go to the disciples, and do you remember what happens? The women have been told that he's no longer dead, he's alive. And they've been told by the messenger to go tell others what we have told you. And so the women go, and they tell the men, and the men say, oh, idle tale, foolishness. Another side note, how many women have been dismissed (laughs) by others for what they're trying to say? If it weren't for women preachers, we would not have the Easter message, right? Amen? Right. It's one thing to be told about the resurrection. It's hard to believe it. Luke's version is so real to me. Here we are, um, disciples. I want to tell you that we were told, and we're told to tell you that Jesus is no longer dead, he's alive. It's no wonder that men can't believe it. What? But in Matthew's version and John's version, we get a different story. In Matthew and John's version, on the way back, the risen Lord appears to Mary. And Mary sees the resurrection. And in John's version, I love what she does. She comes back into the group of people. And instead of saying, I've been told that Jesus was raised and I'm supposed to tell you that that's true, Mary comes in and she says, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. It is one thing for a pastor on Easter morning to tell you about resurrection. It is a whole other thing to experience resurrection in your life. This, though, is the calling of the church. The calling of the church is to live as a witness to the resurrection. Now, sure, we are called as people of faith to tell others about resurrection. We have a gospel message to proclaim that love and life win. But let us not forget that our true calling is to live as a witness to the resurrection. Do you see the difference? When we live as a witness to the resurrection, it is as if our proclamation joins that of Mary's by saying, I have seen the Lord. Do you know that Every time you forgive somebody, you show the world resurrection. Every time you serve, you pour your life out, you give yourself, like so many here, to Taft Elementary and the partnership there, to Habitat for Humanity, building homes so that families can have safety and security. Every time you invest in one of the little children that not only sit on your lap, but the children that sit on the laps of mothers who struggle to pay rent, you show the world resurrection. Do you know every time you give, you pour out your resources to bless others in the world, you show the world resurrection. That is why this Easter, we are kicking off a three-week resurrection project to show the world resurrection through our partnership with the Haitian Timon Foundation. We want to help raise $10,000 so that 200 kids can go to camp in Jacmel, 
partnered with Haitian college students so that the fir for the first time in their life, these children who think they have no future can see their future in a fellow Haitian who is fighting and striving to earn an education. We want to be a part of that resurrection story. This Easter, what I want more than anything for you, what I want for you is to hear this. That what God did through Jesus Christ on that first resurrection is what God intends to do with your life. But not just your life. It's what God intends for every human life. And so we, the body of Christ here, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, we come together like those women who walk to a tomb so filled with confusion, our own doubts, our own questions, our own grief, and on the way we are greeted by a God who wants to declare to us once and for all and show us once and for all that love and life truly do win, that what follows death is new life. So may we, on this Easter Sunday, leave this place after singing to this God, praying to this God, being filled up with this Word of God. May we leave this place and live as the incarnate, risen body of our Lord so that we can show others that the worst thing that could ever happen to them will not be the last thing. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? Do you see what God is doing in your life? I pray so. So this Easter, may you cling to your faith in the crucified and risen Lord. May you live as a witness to the resurrection. And may you be able to say, even through your doubt, I have seen the Lord. Amen.